the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Good afternoon. I'm Jim Stanley. It's my privilege to sit in for Brother Bert Harper today, and I believe I'll be in for him again tomorrow as well. Uh, Alex Heat, by the way, joining me is Dr. Alex McFarlane. Or I should say I'm joining him, but uh, but Bert has taken a little early time off. Uh, you know, next week we'll all be in NR- at NRB in Orlando together, and, that's and true. so he took the grandkids and headed out a little early. So well. Uh, God bless the Harper family. That's right. But we we do have a full week next week, and and frankly, I'm very excited about it. I uh, have been getting emails from friends across the country, like Erwin Lutzer and different ones, who are saying, "Hey, are you going to be at NRB? Um, be in prayer, folks." And by the way, we're in First John chapter four today on exploring the Word, but. National Religious Broadcasters is kind of this convention every year that we go to, uh, and everybody's there you've ever heard of, like David Jeremiah and AFR and every everybody, but um, Jim, I'm just praying that the Spirit of the Lord will be all over that, and that uh, we as Christian speakers and pastors and broadcasters, that we'll just have a, a fresh encounter with Jesus and be more committed than ever to promote the gospel and promote revival, not only in America, but really the whole wide world. NRB really is about the voice of the gospel over the airwaves around the world, isn't it? It sure is, and I think that's important, you know, be it the TV through, you know, airwaves as it used to be, cable or digital, however you choose to view it. Uh, in fact, Alex, I think you're on the NRB channel, aren't you? We we do. We do um, a show that's basically on apologetics, uh, that's Truth for a New Generation with Alex McFarlane. But you know what, Jim? I was reading a stat about uh, young people. And do you know of millennials and younger, and you know, sociologists have all kind of nomenclature, Gen Z, Alpha, and all that. In fact, I wrote an article for in the February edition of The Stand, um, if you want to kind of get clued into the, the demographics of young people, my article in the February edition of the, the Stand, which is the American Family Magazine, I felt like it was um, the Lord used that article. Uh, but 75% of millennials and younger get their entertainment from the computer and online rather than on TV. So, you know, the, the media choices are changing a little bit, but... Um, at any rate, it doesn't matter the medium, it doesn't matter the era. We have one message, and that's the risen Savior, and we are telling the world about how they can know Jesus. And Jim, let me give a, a verse here from 1 John four eleven. We were in this yesterday, and uh, follow along. It's, it's so interesting because 1 John talks about the love of God and the love of the brethren and the church, but very practical, too. It says, watch out for false teachers, you know, and test the spirits, because not every voice out there is is of God. But then it uh, comes back, and it talks about the love of God. 
And it says, uh, I'm going to begin at verse 10. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Uh, Love is not static, is it, Jim? I mean, love is motivational. And when we reflect on how much the Lord loved us, sent Jesus to be our Savior, it should motivate us to love each other, shouldn't it? It absolutely should. You know, the entire life of Christ in front of his disciples was showing love. You you know, sometimes it was tough love when, take for example, when they were in uh, in the boat and the storm came up, Jesus was asleep, and it was one of those times he was like, why are you bothering me with this, you know? Don't you trust me? And so they'd seen his life lived out, and now John is sharing that with us in in what he knows about God, you know, the personal revelation that he had. And so it is not, it it should be continuing to grow more and more every day. And it's one of those things that it's interesting to see that in this, almost this entire chapter, the focus is on love and Mm -hmm. knowing what love is and knowing how to love and knowing why to love. And uh, when, and I don't want to start a war this afternoon. I want to be clear about that. But when we read verse 12 and verse 13 here, it says, No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that dwell in him, and he is in us, because he hath given us, the, the, given us of his spirit. So, Alex, when we look at that, it goes back to the main way to know that we are filled by the Spirit of God is that we are a reflection of God's love to his church and to the world. Amen. Uh, That's true. And, you know, John chapter 13 says, By this will all men know that we are his disciples if we have love one for another. That's why, you know, division and uh, splits within churches is such a negative witness because, um, you know, the lost world, they've got stress and strife and division enough mm-hmm. already. And, um, you know, if we Christians are crossways against each other, we certainly don't need to export that. Um, but it, like you mentioned, verse 12, no man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwells in us and his love is perfected in us, uh, really meaning that uh, perfectly manifested and demonstrated. Um, now, in verse 13, hereby know we know we that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he hath given us of his spirit. It's the spirit of God that unifies the body of Christ. And, you know, Jim, uh, I don't want to digress too much here, but we've got different denominations and different camps. I mean, But look, we all agree that Jesus is the Son of God who died on the cross and rose again, and the Bible is the Word of God. And Jim, isn't it true, within orthodoxy, biblical truth, Christ, the empty tomb, the Word of God, repent, believe, within orthodoxy, there are three dozen things that we might have strongly held convictions on but we don't need to divide over those things, like contemporary worship versus traditional hymns. As long as you're singing about Jesus, sing out 
brothers and sisters. You, you know, e- even uh, baptism, and I, hey, I'm a Baptist, immersion, you know, you uh, dunk under the water. But I want to say this, I think we need the Spirit of God, like 13 alludes to, to unite the body of believers. And I'm not talking about compromising core truths. I mean, Jesus is deity. He shed his blood for our salvation. We don't budge on those, and we shouldn't. But Jim, don't you think we need to let the Spirit of God to unite us more uh, over the things that are not deal breakers? You know, we, we the body need to stand together and love each other and speak with a unified voice. We absolutely do, and I think you know, we get tripped up on a lot of those things. And yeah. if if we read John here and we're going strictly by the Word of God and we're reading this and we see this, then it cuts out some of that confusion. You know, old earth versus new earth, flat earth versus a spherical <laughs> earth, you know. And uh, and then, then, as you mentioned, baptism, you know, a lot of... Those are the things that our salvation does not hinge upon. Our Mm -hmm. salvation doesn't matter what our view of baptism is. Our salvation isn't contingent upon if we believe that we can walk all the way across the earth and fall off at some point, and the fact that you don't should kind of give you a revelation there as to it being spherical. And then, you know, things like that, it's, um, it's one of those things that when we look at that, we know that, and we know who God is, and it should it should bring us together. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I remember a, a Christian friend telling me one time long ago. Uh, in fact, I think it was Keith Green that said, "If the if the mighty army of God would get get away from spending so much time of shining their armor or fighting each other, then we actually might have a chance to bring this back to God, to bring the, mm. the world back to God." Did you ever meet Keith Green? No, sir. I wish I had, but I, yeah. I sure enjoyed his music. Oh, big time, big time. And and he was he was prophetic for sure. But folks, if you're just tuning in, this is Exploring the Word with uh, Jim Stanley and Alex McFarlane. We're in 1 John 4. Later on in the show, we will get to your calls and questions. And if you want to write this number down, 888 Triple eight five eight nine eighty eight forty. We'll get to your Bible questions here in a little bit. Uh, but verse fourteen says, "And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world." Well, Amen to that. The Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. Amen. Now we're going to get down to. Uh, verse 1 of chapter 5 in a minute, and that's just really simple about the gospel. But, Jim, this is really clear. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in him and he in God. Now, I want to be very clear. I'm going to throw something out to you. Um, I've got an opinion on everything. Uh, I'm a Baptist preacher. I, I've got an opinion on everything. But I want to be the first to say, like, on your view about the end times, mm. your view about election. Nobody gets to heaven, they're going to say, you know, uh, Jim Stanley from America, quick, what's the age of the earth? Right. They're, 
they're going to say, did you accept Jesus? Mm. You know, and, and I, I'm not minimizing the, the theological areas that we have strong opinions about, but like 415 says, it's about accepting Jesus as the Son of God, my personal Savior. And when somebody has done that, they are family, aren't they? Yes, sir, they are. And, and note part of that verse said, God abides in them, and Amen. they in God. It, it's it's a, a, a union between us provided for by the love of the Son who gave his life for us, that we have life everlasting with the Father. And verse 16 says, and we'll come back to it, and we have known and believed the love that God had for us. God is love, and he who abides in God, and God in him. This is Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. I'm Jim Stanley with Dr. Alex McFarland, and we'll continue in 1 John 4, straight ahead. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Alex McFarland, Jim Stanley, and you're listening to the Family Radio Network. And we're so glad that you are listening. And by the way, you can listen to this show again at AFR.net. Shows are archived there. You could share this with somebody and uh, let people know about the incredible programming of the American Family Radio Network and let them know, please, about Exploring the Word. And we'd be really grateful. We are in 1 John 4. Jim, over the break, I was just looking over 1 John 4, 7 through 21. And verse 19 says, We love him because he first loved us. Uh, Verse 21, If you love God, you should love your brother also. Jim, I was reading this, 1 John 4, 7 through 21, and I was just thinking, if we all actually took this to heart, it would change the world wouldn't it? No, I mean, when we look at it and we read it and we understand it, it comes back to the simplest thing. I know that this past Sunday was Mother's Day. Amen. And so I'm a father. My wife is a mother. And I remember when my oldest daughter, Rebecca, was born. And let me tell you, when when they took the baby and they cleaned her up a little bit and then they handed her her to her mom the the radiance coming from Colette holding her newborn child it exuded the very love that she had it was from her soul it was from her core and mm-hmm. if we could have that same kind of love for god then we wouldn't have the ability to hate our brother we mm-hmm. wouldn't have the ability to hate anyone, you know, because we would exude. And that's the kind of love that God has for us is why I make that uh, uh, comparison. Because when we look, we think back to Mary holding Jesus in her arms as a newborn baby when he took upon flesh for us. We could see her love for, for him 
and also her love for God because of the obedience that she showed in having Jesus. And so if we look at it like that, if we see that love, you know, we have a comparison that we can that we can physically look at and have a, a glimpse, just a glimpse of what that love looks like. So absolutely, I, I would agree with you, yes, sir. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, I think about this, that the Bible says that God has blotted out the handwriting that was against us. Mm. This is in Colossians 2.14. Uh, our own sin. I mean, my goodness, if it weren't for the love and the mercy, the grace of Jesus, we would be condemned to eternal hell by our own sin. And if if a holy God can extend grace and forgiveness to me, how much more so could I extend grace and forgiveness to, you know, my neighbor, my family member, whomever? You know, let's go back a little bit to verse 16, 17. It says, And we have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love. And again, a number of times it says in here that God is love. Um, He that dwells in love dwells in God and God in him. Jim, have you just met Christians that just, they exuded a joy and a love? Um, Several people over the years that they just radiated the presence of Jesus Christ. Um, And, you know, when 1 John 4 talks about dwelling in God and dwelling in love, I'm not talking about some sanctimonious, you know, false, you know, air that you put on. You just know. I mean, you've met people. Um, somebody I've mentioned this many times, but Johnny Erickson, mm. and she's spoken for us in a couple of conferences. Um, Johnny Erickson and her husband, Ken, I mean, you just, when they're in the room, it the whole, there's a different feel. The presence of the Lord is so strong on their life. And um, others I could name, and it's it's a beautiful thing. There's something so self-authenticating when you're around a person that is just full of the presence of the Lord. They just are full of the love of God. Um, you just you just know it's real and authentic, don't you? You do, and it almost feels like they can look into your soul uh, mm-hmm. you, when when they have that. It because the spirit of God radiates from them. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it has been my privilege to see that lived out uh, a few times in front of me. And, and it's really neat to know those kind of people and to, you know, if you can call those, if you can call someone like that a friend, man, that, that's just a blessing. Amen. Well, verse 17, herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in the world. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that fears is not made perfect in love. And again, I mentioned verse 19, we love him because he first loved us. Jim, First uh, John 2.28 talks about having confidence before God and not be ashamed at his appearing. Hebrews talks about coming boldly before the throne. When verse 18 um, or 17, rather, talks about boldness in the day of judgment. Uh, it doesn't mean arrogance, or it doesn't mean um, the attitude that, I well, I'm going to heaven because I deserve it. No, not at all. Mm. I mean, but in the love of Jesus, 
and in his righteousness, and knowing that it was Christ who washed our sins away, and we are in the palm of his hand. That's where our confidence and reassurance comes from, isn't it? By our standing with Jesus. Yes, sir. If you Let me share verse 18 from the Amplified Bible. Amen. Uh, I think that it, it, you know, the Amplified digs a little deeper, and if you're going to use it for your devotional, I'd go ahead and add an extra 15, 20 minutes per day, uh, <laughs> just, just for what it's worth. But verse 18 says, There is no fear in love. Dread does not exist. But full-grown, complete, perfect love turns fear out of doors and expels every trace of terror. For mm. fear brings with it the thought of punishment. And so he who is afraid has not reached the full maturity of love, is not yet grown into love's complete perfection. And then, as you said, verse 19 says, we love him because he first loved us. Folks have no doubt about it. Unless the love of God is imbued, imbued into us, then we don't really know how to love him. We don't know how to love each other. And so I, I just like that where it says dread does not exist, and then it expels every trace of terror. Think about that. You know, if having that kind of love and being loved that completely, that we know we don't have to be afraid of God. Now, I'm not talking about getting away from reverencing God. Uh, that's, I'm not talking about that at all, but I'm talking about the fact that, as Alex mentioned a, a minute ago, he blots out our transgressions. And the Amen. blotting that he uses is the very blood of Christ in whom we have life. So we see that it can, Alex gave a great picture, word picture, that we can see the love of Christ blotting out our sins and at the same time bringing us perfect love. Mm. Well, there's that saying, you've heard it said, God's not mad at you. He's not even in a bad mood. That's right. <laughs> you know, isn't it wonderful? And, I mean, think on this. It's very liberating. I think it's very invigorating to know that God loves us. Mm. And there just might be somebody listening, and, and in your mind you know Jesus died for you, but, but you're telling yourself you don't measure up and you're not good enough, and... We don't think about that. Think about how the Son of God has showered his love on you. And, Jim, I often think in talking to people, and even in my own journey, sometimes we have to almost give ourselves permission to really believe and accept that, yes, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you, loves you, loves you, and rejoice in that. And and if, if that touches your heart and, and you really... Uh, come to that realization, oh my goodness, I am precious to God. My Savior will never abandon me. Jesus loves me. His mercies are new every morning. Um, you can't help but love others and be happier about life. I mean, Almighty God, the, only, the, the thing that matters most, more than anything else, God loves you, and God is for you, and God is with you, and God will bless you. I mean... It's hard to stay mad about anything when you realize how much God loves you. Amen. You know, to to walk in that forgiveness, to walk in that light, uh, it, it's one of those things that he lights our path for us. 
so that we can follow him. Whenever we get into shadow and shade, that should let us know that we've moved away from God. We should turn mm. back to find that light because, you know, he, he, may, he is the light, as he said. So if we follow that light, then we know it to be true because it blots out the terror. And, you know, a lot of times we, I know some folks that have had trouble sleeping at night because they have night terrors, mm. you know, and terror seems to be able to come in the dark. You know, you look at all the horror movies throughout the generations. When do they get in trouble? When it gets nighttime. Yes. You know, (laughs) and so. Well, it does. My grandmother used to say, nothing good happens after 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock, something like that. You you know, and um, you're right, the the scary things. There was a dear lady, she's in heaven now, uh, and she was uh, Jehovah's Witness, and we used to invite her to church, and but she and her husband, um, her name was Lee Curtis, and she and her husband both got saved like in their 60s. And I mean, till they each passed, they were exemplary. They loved the Lord. And one of her family members said when um, Lee Curtis and her husband got saved through Macedonia Baptist, they said, we knew something was different because Mama always kept every light on, had to close the blinds. Even during the day, she was terrified of everything. Mm. And suddenly she realized that um, she didn't have to have every light on all night long, and she didn't close the shades, and that suddenly this fear, this paranoia that had shaped her life for decades was gone. And that they, they said, this thing called the gospel must be real because suddenly... Mama's not afraid of everything anymore, you know. Mm. Well, he, that's just one of a hundred things we could say, but you have a peace, you have a reassurance, you have a stability. Mm. Um, Jesus not only saves your soul, he will stabilize your emotions, won't he, Jim? Yes, sir, he will, and that's one of the stabilizing factors of his love is it doesn't depend on our feelings. It depends completely on the dwelling of his spirit and us, and I think you said it earlier, actually giving him permission to work in us and through us instead of us trying to do everything ourselves. Mm. Well, we love him because he first loved us, verse Amen. 19. Now, 20 and 21, uh, John reiterates this. He has already said it a time or two, but if a man says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. Okay, the apostle John, he, man, he lays it on the table here. If a man says, I love God, hates his brother, he's a liar. For he that loves not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God loves his brother also. Well, uh, 1 John has said it two or three ways from two or three vantage points. But I, I think we get the point that if the love of God has come into our life, then love for others is going to be one of the characteristics that we show forth. Oh, it has to be. If we don't see that characteristic, then something's wrong with us. Now, you mentioned a moment ago that we were going to get to First uh, John 5, 1. And yes. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and read that. It says, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone that loveth him that begot loveth him also that is begotten of him. Now, that 
that right there speaks volumes. You know, it, it's not just that they believe he is the he is Christ, that we believe that he is the Christ, the one that was that was born to as as John mentioned a little earlier there in First John four, that he came to be the propitiation for our sin. Now, Alex, mm. propitiation is just a fancy word that means substitute. And mm-hmm. that goes back to the word picture you had of him, the blood of Christ, blotting out our transgressions. And so it's one of those things there that that's why he was born. That's why he came to earth. It wasn't just to make bad people good. It was to make people children of God that Amen. would worship that would worship God. Amen. You know, I've I've looked at this in the Greek. Whosoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Now, several of the key words in this first clause are believe, Christ, and born. All right, believe, and it's the same word that you read in John three sixteen. Whosoever believes means to put your trust in Christ. Who is he? The Messiah, the Savior, the Son of God. If you believe these things, you can be born again. And you are saved by believing in Jesus and what he did. Well, we're going to come back. This is Exploring the Word. We're going to take calls. Jim Stanley and I, stay with us. Your calls are what we do when we return. Don't go away. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. He is more than the answer. He is the complete salvation for our soul and for our lives. I am Jim Stanley. This is Exploring the Word. I'm sitting in for Brother Bert Harper today, and I'm with Dr. Alex McFarland, and we're going to take your calls at 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. We got through First uh, John 5, the first verse, but I think that's probably where we'll start tomorrow. What do you think, Alex? Sounds good. We'll we'll revisit that again tomorrow. But right now, folks, the number, 888-589-8840. Uh, we'd love to hear your calls and questions. All right, let's start with Karen calling from Texas. Karen, welcome to Exploring the Word. Uh, thank you, guys. I love you all so much. And, Jim, it's uh, it's just a privilege to get to talk to you also today. Um, and just for, uh, I, I know it's brief, you all don't have a lot of time, but uh, I did want to tell you all that my brother was a pilot, and he actually got to fly Keith Green around. Oh, nice. So, uh, wow. I yeah, it was it was a real blessing for him, and um, I I'm more of a uh, Richmond fan. I, I Keith Green's logo for my time, but I I know y'all have lots of calls. <laughs> Alex, I, I think she just I called just, us old, brother. Uh, 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 I, hey, this is great that you're, ma'am. You're mentioning some of the great Christian singers and musicians that should not be forgotten. Rich Mullins and all those guys—they were trailblazers, weren't they, Jim? They sure were. Okay, Karen, uh, we, I apologize. You know, we- uh, 
kind of talked over you. What what you got, dear? No, that's okay, Alex. I called uh, Rich Mullins and Modern Day Paul because he preached in, um, anyway, I wish they'd play his uh, original music versus the people that are trying to sing it now. But Mm -hmm. anyway, just real quick, because I know you've got calls probably lined up. Um, I'm in a small town, and um, woman pastor, which it's okay, I'll, I'll deal with that. But we've been, we're in a prayer meeting recently, and there's a young man that's struggling with sin, and um, we were praying for him, and she basically just told him that uh, his prayers were not going to last more. They won't go up. They will fall down from the ceiling, I think is what she said. So uh, mm-hmm. basically, you can't pray when you're sinning. And I just, I was so discouraged about that because people reach out to God all the time when they're in sin. And I, I just wanted y'all's opinion on that because it broke my heart to think his prayers were not reaching God, if that makes sense. Wow. Well, the thing is, none of us knows another person's heart. And we are to, you know, uh, repent, and even as born-again believers, I think we're, like Paul said, we are to mortify the flesh and put to death carnal desires. But at the same time, um, I, Jim, I just don't think I would ever say that somebody's prayers would not be heard by God, because that's just something that a, a fellow human cannot know. I mean, the state mm-hmm. of another person's heart and how sincere they are in crying out to God um, that's knowledge that the Holy Spirit would know, but we just couldn't know. No, absolutely. And I, it's one of those things that it does break my heart a little bit that someone would take that view. You know, here in the second chapter of First John, John writes, My little children, these things I write unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus hmm. Christ the righteous. So... If we're not able to repent, and then as children, if we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, who is Christ Jesus. I mean, you know, I think that's one of the reasons John uses the phrase, my little children, because so many people are children of God and children in God that they haven't reached that stage of maturity yet. And I don't think we'll never stop sinning this side of heaven. Now, and I've caught flack for this before. That's okay. I'll catch it again. I believe it is possible once we receive Christ that we don't have to give in to temptation. But I will tell you, it's not likely that we won't ever give in to temptation. And I am so glad that I have someone else to fight that battle for me when I turn back to the to the Father in reverence and love that I have an advocate whose name is Jesus. Hmm. Amen. Sorry about that. I, I well, got kind no, of caught up right. there. Well, you know, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 talks about laying aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets us. I, I think that even the most godly people, it uh, doesn't mean that Satan and the flesh don't give up without a fight, you know? That's right. Well, let's talk to Chance now from Texas. Chance, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hello, sir. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Yes. Yes, sir. Uh, I had a question. It kind of touches on the last caller. Uh, uh, I've been 
been looking through where uh, it, it te- the Bible teaches, you know, to be in the world but not of the world. And then there's like how one would navigate that, uh, you know, be, um, enjoying parts of culture or parts of good things in the world, but not, but still st- staying true to Jesus' teachings, if that makes any sense. I, I'm not. I'm not sure if I completely understand the question there, Jim. Can you help me with it? Yeah, chance. Tell us that again, please, because. Uh, like, uh, sorry. Uh, so, like, okay, there, there, there's parts of, of you know of culture that aren't necessarily bad. Yes. Right. Sure. There, there are things uh, that aren't necessarily bad. Yes, and. I was just trying to uh, get some get some guidance on how you know one would live. Oh. Okay, I got you, and I and I remember the phrase he used a moment ago, Alex. He said, "You know, how do we how do we live in the world, but not be of the world? How do we separate that? How do we?" And I think part of that comes from what we talked about here in First John, is mm-hmm. that we grow to maturity in Christ. We grow to maturity and the confidence of his love in us that we're able to share it with others. And mm-hmm. I think that's one of the ways, Because, and then even uh, I think uh, Ephesians talks about putting on the whole armor of God. And yeah. so if we dress ourselves in Christ, then that's one of the ways, because we should be radiating him, not radiating ourselves. Uh, and so, you know, I, I've always looked to the statement Paul made, follow me as I follow Jesus. I've told folks if they follow me, they may wind up in the ditch with me. So follow mm-hmm. Jesus. Yeah, and and let me say, um, here, here's a word, ascetic. Now, not aesthetic, uh, like something is aesthetically beautiful, meaning the design or beauty of something. I mean, but the, the ascetic movement was something that said that to be a good Christian, quote-unquote, you had to, like, live a very... Don't hang pictures on the wall. Don't wear stylish clothes. It's almost like uh, kind of a modern-day Amish movement or something. Let me just say this, um, and this may may be—it may touch on where the collar was at. I'm not for sure. But, you know, uh, Romans 14.23 says, "...whatever is not from faith is of sin." But then it goes on, and it's it talk. Paul talks about it in Romans fourteen. If you have doubt about something or convicted, maybe then you ought not do that. But somebody else doesn't have conviction. Um, Jim, I don't think there's anything wrong with a Christ as a Christian. Of course, Jesus is number one in our life, mm-hmm. uh, our family, and our church. But hey, there's nothing wrong with appreciating. Uh, the joys of life and having hobbies, or I mean, uh, look, I music, guitars, mm-hmm. hunting, fishing, going to the ball game, uh, or landscape in the yard, whatever. I don't think it's wrong for a Christian to have hobbies they love and things that are wholesome and godly. I don't think to be a, a spirit filled Christian, you have to live an ascetic barren life do you jim no sir not at all in fact i think uh, you know back when i did yard work 
that was one of the best times for me because I would take and I'd, I'd have my earbuds in and I'd be listening to uh, a lot of praise and worship music. And so that was my, you know, with the lawnmowers and everything going on around me, that was my one of my quiet times with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the same for fishing because the good Lord knows I'm a great fisherman. I'm just not a great catcherman, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> so, there you go. Uh, it, it's one of those things that I think that we do have to find that time where you, because when the Bible tells us to be at peace, you know, yeah. to be still before him, sometimes that stillman, stillness takes on different forms. Yes. A- amen. Uh, enjoy life. Give yourself permission to enjoy life uh, as a born again believer. Well, triple eight five eight nine eighty eight forty. What's next, Jim? All right, we're going to talk to George, or pardon me, Ryan, who's calling from Jonesboro and the Texarkana area there, and we're pleased to have him with us this afternoon. Ryan, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hello, thank you for taking my call. I uh, want to phrase my question in uh, the context that I have begun studying Hebrew, biblical Hebrew, uh, to better understand the Scriptures, particularly the Old Testament. Um, it's been incredibly enlightening and eye-opening, um, and I, I think there's been a lot of colorful insights that have come through even just a cursory study um, of Hebrew. Now, from several considerations, it is my personal belief that Jesus probably spoke Hebrew or Aramaic with his closest friends and his disciples. I've heard some arguments um, as to, you know, the fact that our New Testament ancient manuscripts are in Greek uh, and not Hebrew. So this question is sort of multi-part. One part is I wonder if you could comment on whether or not you think that um, Greek was the most accurate original manuscript. Maybe it was uh, written in Hebrew and translated to Greek. I've, that's a, That's one of the theories out there. Um, but then I would also like to hear you address what is my current belief that even if the uh, even if the Gospels and the early uh, the New Testament writings were penned in Greek, surely at least some of them were spoken originally in Hebrew. Um, this has led me. This is the third part of my question. Trying not to be too complicated here, but I wonder if you've heard of the Peshitta text, um, which some churches claim is the original Aramaic. New Testament. Um, if any of these things don't make sense, let me know. No, great question, great question. Hey, let me let me recommend a book, and there this could be a whole series unto itself, and you know maybe we'll do a series on this. Um, there was a book by a guy named Craig Blomberg, B L O M B E R G, and it was published by InterVarsity, called "The New Testament Manuscripts: Are They Reliable?" A good book. And it's it's a pretty scholarly book. Maybe on um, a little more popular level, Erwin Lutzer, who's a, a friend and a colleague and a very respected scholar. He was once faculty member at Dallas Seminary, but. Erwin Lutzer wrote a book called Seven Reasons That You Can Trust the Bible. Um, It's interesting, about 250 verses of the New Testament were in Aramaic. Now, what's interesting, the Old Testament, Genesis through Malachi, as um, the caller probably knows, a lot of people probably know, a couple of hundred years before the life of Christ, the Old Testament was translated into Greek because so many people spoke Greek. And that's, if you ever see the word Septuagint from the 
prefix SEPT, supposedly 70 scholars work for 70 days, and the Septuagint, it really means of the 70, the Hebrew Old Testament was put into Greek. And a lot of uh, Jesus's quotes of Old Testament scriptures actually were quoted from the Septuagint. So Jesus would have been conversant in Hebrew. Uh, he was definitely conversant in Greek, and he spoke some Aramaic. Now, here's the question. Uh, is what we read um, the Word of God? And I would say absolutely yes, unequivocally yes. Because, um, and it's helpful to read, you know, commentaries. And and Jim, I know you you like to read the Amplified Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got a question, Jim. Is yours the Amplified New Testament or the Amplified Bible? It's the Amplified Bible. Yes, you've got old and new. Yes, sir. That's a really good one, and I'll tell you why. Because a lot of time, and my mother loved it, and I I first learned about the Amplified Bible because my mom. That was like her go-to translation. But in parentheses, there'll be like these amplifications and and some word, you know, nuances about the word meanings that, that you might otherwise not know. So like the caller, I urge people to study, and you, you glean all these really great insights about what words mean and um, you know, those kind of things. But let, let me just say this, folks. When you talk about Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic, don't worry that, oh my goodness, there's something about the Scripture that I'm missing. We can always learn more, but I'm telling you, your translation, when you read in you know Romans 14, 23, you know, about whatsoever is not of faith is sin, you know, when you read... Uh, Acts 16.31, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. I mean, translation is a word exchange, and you can know truth. And English can convey it, Greek can convey it. Take the words for what they mean, because that is God's written revelation, and you can depend on it. Amen. Folks, this has been Exploring the Word. Join us again tomorrow afternoon at 3 Central. As we continue in First John, and we'll be at, uh, pardon me, chapter 5. Andy, Eddie, sorry we won't get to your calls today. You can send us an email to word at AFR.net, W-O-R-D at AFA.net, and we'll be happy to try and answer those there, or you can try calling in again another day. Alex, thanks for letting me hang. Well, Jim, thanks for being with us. Listeners, thanks for tuning in to Exploring the Word. Tell somebody about AFR, but tell everybody about Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.